Hello, Ellen. Hey, Mark. How's it going? It's doing fine. Uh, it's, it's been a while. It's been a it's, week since we've talked. It's been a while, but I, I'd like to welcome everyone to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Yeah, it's been a, been a little bit. We had a guest host on last week. Elarna is always fun to talk to, but it is also always great to, when you and I get a chance to, to chat. Yeah, I miss it. I, I definitely missed it. I appreciate Elarna uh, stepping in again. So good job. So I was, I was thinking a little bit about what we could do uh, for this week. And I noticed that Voice Talks is coming up uh, pretty much when this episode airs. Okay. And one of the topics that they're going to be talking about are kind of best practices. And, you know, when you've got design, uh, how do you turn that into something? How do you, how do you put it all together? So it's, it's going to be things like, you know, best practices in marketing and design and development. And I thought, you know, I'm kind of curious, what are some of the things that you make sure you do when we go develop stuff? I mean, because I can think of tons mm -hmm. and tons of design best practices that we follow and marketing best practices and graphical best practices. But when we're developing for voice, what are the things, the most important things we want to focus on? Oh, that's a good question. So I think uh, I've got a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, so the first one I'll, I'll just mention briefly, I won't spend a lot of time on it, but if you're going to be developing in voice, um, I do a lot of cross-platform stuff. So that means uh, I, I wanna do something that's on Alexa and maybe immediately do something that's also a, a Google Action or maybe in the future that could be something that happens. So I'm thinking about cross-platform from the, from the beginning. And mm -hmm. that could be, you know, like I say, Alexa or Google or Bixby, it could be adding a chat bot in. So one of the best practices is I use Jovo. It's, cross, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it sets me up right. I've been using it for a number of years now. Uh, it's you know, very familiar to me, but the reason why is because I keep thinking, you know, in some cases I definitely need multiple platforms from the beginning, or I could probably likely need a multiple platform solution, you know, in the next year or something yeah. like that. And so I just go ahead and, uh, you know, program just a little plug out there for Jovo um, for keep doing the good things that they're doing. Uh, but that that's one of the best practices that I can see is is just keeping in mind that you might be doing something bigger than the the project that you're currently on. Um, not necessarily that you go to a lot of extra work to program stuff in there that's that could be used in the future. It's just that I'm building on a on a framework that allows me to do that. Right. You need it's the sort of thing you always need to keep in mind. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I feel like I do similar, but obviously I take a slightly different approach, but my kind of thinking behind it is there's a lot of things that the libraries already take care of for us. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can use tools like Jovo or Multivocal or VoiceFlow to help us actually do that coding work, yes. that's the less code that we need to write. And that's always a good thing. You know, so one of the the things I always think about is where has this already been done? And, mm -hmm. you know, in some ways that's a general coding practice. And I think, I feel like a lot of my best practices for voice are just general best practices for coding yep. applied to voice. And one of them is 
don't reinvent the wheel. Somebody else has done large chunks of these things. At the very least, go learn your lessons from, from what we did before. And for me, I like to roll a lot of my best practices into multivocal, which is why I go right to multivocal. Right. So, but no, definitely I, I can, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say this, the, the same, uh, I think you're gonna say something similar is that paying attention to the tools and libraries and frameworks that you're using ahead of time, uh, I guess choosing them um, based on, I guess, thinking, at, thinking the project ahead or, you know, just, I guess, reusing them after you've used them before, you know, tried and true, um, and just keep expanding on uh, that, that base of code that you're, you're working off of. Yep, definitely. So once we've got our libraries picked, what's the next thing you always make sure you like to do? Well, I'll tell you mine and then we'll, we'll find out what, what you're thinking. Okay. But um, this, this goes along with kind of the first one in the fact of multiple platform stuff, but I always try to make sure all the text-to-speech or you know, audio files, if you're doing voiceovers or sound effects, is separate from the code. So it's not baked right into the intent handler, um, but that's separated someplace else, you know, all in one location where you could take that and then send it off to be translated or, or, or whatnot. So removing that. And so, you know, and part of that is uh, one of the reasons why I created a speech markdown was that it was cross-platform and it solved, helped me solve the situation where I wanted to add formatting to my text-to-speech, but I wanted to not have to worry about all the idiosyncrasies of the different platforms, uh, whether a tag was supported or not, or exactly what the well, format of that tag was. Um, that's something that I could do with speech markdown. Yep. No, actually, it's, it's really funny you say that because that probably would have been one of the first things I would have picked as well, is I definitely the notion of making sure that our responses aren't baked into the code. They're not, you know, some hard-coded string that's in there. And then instead we use best practices for internationalization and localization. And that lends very nicely, even if we're not localizing it, right. to storing it separately and not having to bake in these strings. So if we need to add multiple strings or pick one from a number of replies, yep. that's all in a configuration file somewhere. And yep. that's where it should be. Um, you know, so letting and letting tools like Jovo and Multivocal pick a valid response. You know, right. that's not something that each intent handler should be calling the random number generator itself and looking through the, you know, and, and picking through the list and picking one of them out. Let the libraries do that and let the libraries do that based on a separate file or storage or something. There's, there's no need we should be coding that ourselves. And in fact, what bothers me a lot about the examples that we see from uh, Google and Alexa when, when talking about their libraries is that's exactly what they show. Right. Hard coding that response, hard coding a single response in. And that's, that feels like it's very much the wrong approach. Yeah, and you know, in a way I understand because they're targeting that documentation at, oh, this is somebody that's brand new and you don't want to overly complicate things. And, and, but 
then there's, you know, you either just have to make that leap yourself or you finally come across something or somebody who says, you know what, a better way to do this would be to, right. and, uh, and, and, and I think what's frustrating for me though, is it's not that more difficult. You know, one of, yeah one of the points of multivocal in separating that out was to make it just as simple. Yep. Just as easy to do without adding lots of complication of doing it yourself. Yep. Well, it, it's funny because we, we've talked about this multiple times on yeah. this uh, program and on our, uh, on our own, but it's this uh, separating text into its own file quickly leads to, oh, uh, it shouldn't just be the, the, the text, it should be the templates. And then you start talking about, oh, that should be in something like a content management system. Right. And then, then we go down that we road. Just, yeah. yeah, we just go down that same same path again. And um, yeah, it's a it's a problem that's not 100% solved. There's no. definitely, um, you know, room for new ideas and, and, you know, implementations, things that would make it easier for developers. Yep. I think related to that, is one of the practices that I like doing, and that's moving as much of the configuration as I can into some sort of configuration, whether that's you know a JSON that's that's there, that's a file that's loaded in, or whether it's stored in something like Firebase or Firestore or DynamoDB right. or whatever, just making it so that the configuration itself isn't hard-coded in and baked. And then I take that the step and say, well, my responses are configuration. So yeah, I, I, I go yeah. that step, but it's also other stuff. Like, you know, if I'm returning a list, how many items do I return on that list by default? Right. If I am pausing for something, where do I configure how long that pause takes? If I'm loading in graphics, if I'm loading in other audio, where is that audio stored? Put all of that in configuration rather than baking it in because it's going to change it always does right well and you know i find myself having you know 10 15 20 maybe more environment variables that get set over time i even um, have different situations where i have environment uh, variables for features that i want to turn on or off yeah so maybe in this particular environment i want to turn this feature off um, <clears throat> or i want to you know test it out i want to turn it on for a little bit, see what happens, turn it off, be able to uh, feature flag some things. Yep. One of the things that I even find great is I've made some things dependent on feature detection from the, the system. And I'll put, you know, what features we need in the configuration file. So that if over time those feature names change or they add new features oh. or, you know, it's more feasible for me to detect other things, I can just change a flag instead of having to hunt down and recompile stuff. Right. Yeah, if you can if you can make changes without having to recompile and redeploy that uh, that definitely saves some really saves a lot of time. Time and some heartache. Sometimes you're like, "Oh, uh, change that uh, database to the wrong database yeah. whatever and and uh, you realize that something's breaking uh, once you you deployed, which is, you know, their best practice always test in an environment <laughs> that's parallel to production or is closely you know, you know mapping to production just the but, same developer stuff but even when it does you're gonna have sudden changes that you need to make in production or that you yeah. know suddenly find that it broke in production one afternoon because google and alexa decided to go and change something without letting you know 
Oh, that would never happen. Never. <laughs> one, one of the other, uh, the other aspects that I always think about as I'm developing is it kind of ties back to a design principle that I keep in mind always. And that's that the intent isn't what you do. It's what the user has done. Mm -hmm. And how you deal with that intent can be any sorts of things. So usually on, you know, on the Alexa side, one intent maps to a handler directly. Right. On the Google side, we're a little more flexible. You know, we say that it's other things, you know, the combination of uh, an intent or, you know, more and more intents can trigger a handle name. Um, but either way, I like to remember that that handler can vary what it what it needs to respond to, what it even needs to do in some cases based on other things. So usually I like to write my handler functions so that they're fairly short. Yeah. And instead what they end up doing is calling other functions. And it's it's hard sometimes for people to remember it's just a function. A handler function is just a function. And it's allowed to call other functions. Right. Um, because again, all of the examples that Amazon and Google show, show these handler functions with huge multiple lines and multiple if statements and blocks and different, you know, handling all sorts of different scenarios to the point where it starts getting out. No, wait a minute. What's, yeah. what's happening in each of these cases? I like to just make it nice and short so that, you know, if it's this, go handle it with this function. It's this other function. So I like to remember that, you know, this, the, the, again, very, very traditional coding notions of break it up into smaller parts. Right. And those smaller parts that you can easily digest them in one chunk. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely good good advice. I you know just been thinking about that uh, as well. You, there's not like a certain lines of code for file, but but it does. If it gets up too too big, then it starts bothering me. In some cases, I'm like, well, all my handlers in a certain for a certain thing are in this um, file, and I like the fact that they're together. But but when it gets to a certain point, then you, you just like need to break it up and figure out how to yeah. You know, or, or if you've got a single handler that is doing too much, right? you know, it may need to, but break it up into logical chunks so that you can more easily narrow on the, you know, on specific cases. Right. And, you know, in some ways that's just a normal programming concept. That's nothing new. It's nothing radical. But when it comes to voice, we don't necessarily think about it because we think about, oh, the intent handler needs to do everything for this intent. Yeah. No, we're allowed to break it up. We're programmers. We can do that. <laughs> Definitely can. Um, do you have any best practices when it comes to testing I'm, your apps? I'll be honest. I'm still working on good best practices for testing. You know, I'm, I'm just beginning to do automated testing. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked a bit ago about Google now has automated testing libraries right. for, for their stuff. So I'm just getting into that still. Um, and in some ways, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around because, you know, you know, 
what I want to do isn't just test the textual response mm -hmm. because there could be a dozen different responses in different ways. So I like to think about not just testing what the response is itself, but I set additional values into the session storage and test what those values are. Okay. Because that, you know, that tends to be more what I want to key on and what I want to make sure works. And yeah, I'll test a few of the phrases to make sure the phrases aren't stupid uh, and, and work correctly with, you know, singulars and plurals. But mostly I want to check and make sure the values get loaded correctly. Interesting. How about you? Um, well, so besides using some sort of a unit test um, framework, um, there's the ability, you know, with uh, Bespoken, they have uh, some code where when you're running on Alexa or, or Google, then you can do some some test cases. It's it's tackling it more at like an intent level. I'm, call, I'm calling this intent. And in some cases that works fine. I've also had situations where I wanted to unit test uh, my handlers. Um, and in some cases I need to mock out some things or set up some conditions. So I've actually set up kind of a, um, a flag. So when you're in, uh, when you're in uh, testing mode, then it actually turns on and, and it calls a, a handler that you can set in your unit test hmm. that gets called right before any of the code that is in a handler runs. And you can then set up some preconditions on different things. Um, and that's helped quite a bit with, uh, with unit testing. Um, the other thing that I found is sometimes when you're testing a big, um, a big application, maybe it's a game and you've got different parts of your game. Um, I've found where like, if I want to say, I, you know, here's a branch and let's, let's call that, you know, one and two. Um, I want to be able to test both one and two. So what I do is I go backwards kind of in, if you were, if you were to envision it as a flow chart, kind of goes backward in the, in the track to the point where the last thing happened before it hits any of the logic where it makes the decision if it branches A or B, right? Um, and actually set up a, uh, a test case. So I have some, some special intents that only run when you're in test mode. <laughs> and then you can say, you know, this is, I want you to execute this, you know, test one uh, mm -hmm. or test two. And so test one and two might be different based because you might have some different variables and then it's, um, but then it hits that point in code where it branches off and so then, you can, you know, imagine at the beginning, then that's, that's going to be fairly easy. You could probably just, you know, start the application and, and hit that pretty easily. But sometimes you might be like farther along in this big, yeah. you know, thing Especially like, for, okay, at for, this point in time, let's just test the logic for this situation right here. Right. It's really difficult for something yeah. that's a, a long, complicated, multi-stage conversation to get back to, uh, to a single point in the conversation where you've already built up a lot of state. Right. So that's a good way to, to just say, okay, let's just load all of this state and start the conversation here. Yeah. So you, then you just like have a, an intent, uh, like a test case, you know, 73 or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then uh, um, that helps also if you've got a bigger uh, group or a team, then you can, you know, set them off to saying, this is the, the ticket that's going to test this thing. And the way to get right to it is this. And so um, it helps being able to, isolate and test different parts of it without having to test the whole thing. Obviously you've got to test the whole thing too at different points along the way, but 
it's yeah, no, to, no, no, that that makes sense, especially when off. you're, especially when you're trying to narrow down a bug and you're like, I know, you know, I, I want to start at a well-known state, right? And then something goes wrong, and how do I, yeah, how do I do that? One of the things I also like to do is use, especially when I'm I'm developing, is use something like ngrok, yes, uh, so that I can run my server locally, so that I can see what packets are coming in, you know, what the JSON coming in looks like and what the JSON I'm sending back looks like and make sure mm -hmm. they look sane. Um, and just, you know, be able to, if something's not working, I can just change my code quickly locally and see it on the local console and debug it quicker that way. So I've got this, yeah. this much faster turnaround time than trying to deploy things you know, on Lambda or on cloud, Google Cloud Functions or whatever. Right. And then look through your, you know, CloudWatch logs or, or whatever to try to find and, yes. and separate somebody else's testing at the same time that you're testing. Right. And all that fun stuff. Yeah, definitely local testing is the way to go. Yeah. And NGROC really makes that easier in a lot of ways. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, we got some a bonus uh, testing best practices thrown uh, in there at the yeah, end. Well, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind that testing is an important part of development. Yeah. You know, it's not something we can, you know, we can't just write something and throw it over the wall to QA as much as I'm sure we like to sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we, we, it's, it's an inherent part of what we need to do as developers. So, yeah. So I take off my developer hat and I put on my, uh, tester hat <laughs> and it's it's challenging sometimes especially yeah. when you've got to stop and thinking okay i know how this works how can i break it and that's yeah. that's always uh an interesting different mentality to start thinking about yeah, <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> reminds me of that uh t-shirt where it's it's either testing or debugging or coding i don't know whatever the word is that they choose for the T-shirt is the is the uh, murder mystery where you're the uh, the victim and the murderer and the detective all at the same time. Yes. <laughs> so okay, I think that's you know a nice solid set of best practices. You know the the first set of things that we need to think about when we go in and code and and develop and and then go and test it. Yeah. Any anything else that jumps out of mind to you about what we what people need to make sure they think about? Oh man, um, sure. There, there's, there's definitely more, uh, but that's, so that's a good start. I think it's a good start, and you know, I think we welcome people to, to suggest other things that everyone needs to make sure they think about right. as they go in and and write. You know, starting a new project or going and editing an existing project. You know, we'd love to hear your feedback about the things that are most important to you that you make sure you want to make sure you think about every time you go in and code. Yeah, and I bet some of them will all think of, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. I, I, I need to do that better. Or, uh, yeah, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's good. Uh, definitely share what you're learning and, and we would love to, to have a conversation with you about it. So send us, uh, send us your feedback. You can find us on Twitter or in the comments below. And uh, We'll talk about it another time on Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Have a great week, Ellen. You as well, Mark. Take care.